0: Hey there, and welcome back to the Yoga Biz Podcast, or maybe you're new here and it's your first time listening. Either way, I'm so incredibly happy that you found your way here. My name is Meg Sanchmino. I'm the host here at the Yoga Biz Podcast. I created this podcast as a resource for other busy and passionate yoga teachers like myself to learn bite-sized business strategies to help them grow their yoga business. So if that's you, I'm really glad that you found your way here. And today I have a really, really, really special guest joining me on the podcast. Now I don't do a of interviews, my regular listeners know that, but I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to interview the amazing Ashley Hagan. Ashley is also a yoga business coach. She helps yoga teachers take their businesses from just being donation-based Zoom yoga classes to actually make more impact and make more money. So similar to me, she is someone who is passionate. She gives really, really actionable and tangible steps for you to take in your yoga business. That's actually going to move the needle and help you reach more students. So before we dive into this incredible interview that we just had, if you're new here, make sure you go down to the show notes and you check out my free content planning and strategy template and training. This is my most downloaded resource and I would love for you to check it out and hopefully it'll help you with your content strategy and your planning. All right, we're gonna dive into this interview. And just as a little heads up, the audio is a little bit wonky. Um, For whatever reason, it downloaded from Zoom. So stick with us. There's so, 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 so much wisdom that Ashley shares in this interview, so enjoy. Ashley, it's so nice to have you here and see your face and actually meet you one-on-one. Thanks for joining and agreeing to be on here with me.
1: Thanks, Meg. I'm so, so excited. I've been listening to your podcast for the past few days and um, taking in all the advice too, and just, you know, hoping that, you know, what we share today, the audiences, people listening, not watching, listening,
0: um, we'll get something out of this. And I'm excited for our topic of conversations. I want to jump into the first topic, which is how do you know when to offer free classes free workshops, free events for your students, um, even like free resources. And then how do you know when to put a price tag on stuff? Because I get asked this question a lot. I'm sure you do as well. A lot of teachers are like, I feel like I'm giving it all away for free. And if I'm giving it all away for free, how am I ever going to monetize my yoga business? And I think you're such a great person to touch on this topic.
1: Yes, I love this topic. And I have created a couple of YouTube videos that helped answer some of these questions, but to even expand on it more, if someone is wondering when should I teach a free for like free, completely free class, the advice I learned a long time ago, if it's completely free, you're not getting anything. It's not for marketing is only if it's an event for church or charity or children. So that's free, free. So notice I didn't say if you want to practice or if you need more experience, If you're doing an event for church or charity or children, do it for free. That's wonderful. Once in a while, those events come up. I've done them. It's an amazing, um, very gratifying thing to do. But when you're a newer teacher and thinking, well, I need more experience, that's not the best reason to go for free classes. Uh, When you should do a free class or free offering is if you have something to offer beyond that, it's an introduction. And if you can... In that free class or free offering then lead them to the next thing to give them the option to work with you or pay you so oftentimes a free class is used mostly as marketing so it's a marketing strategy to say i want you to be introduced to me because otherwise you may not have been and after this beyond this sign up you you have the option to sign up for a private lesson or a workshop or it's a chance for you to get in front of people who might not otherwise have met you and offering a free class, whether it's a YouTube video or a Zoom class, or even an in-person class is um, something that I've seen work really well when you're just starting out, but you have something on the back end. When I taught for a yoga studio that was just opening up brand new, we did free yoga events around town and at the mall, in the park or wherever. And we were always collecting email addresses and directing people to the memberships or the intro offer at the studio. So we always had that strong call to action at the end of it or a follow up. So you've got to have that follow up in place. Otherwise, the free is just you know, not going to work in your benefit as
0: well. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And I love your example, because I think especially for the teachers who teach online, it's sometimes easy to get disconnected from like we are doing the same thing that studios are doing just in the virtual world. Mm -hmm. So it can feel like if I offer a free class on zoom, why would anyone then want to pay to be in, for example, like my virtual studio or, you know, virtual classes that I teach that cost money, but it is that, that introduction it's taking them on that journey to like see your face and experience your energy before they ever pull out their wallet to work with you.
1: You don't want to give them a full transformation. It literally is an introduction and you want them hopefully to get bored with it if they attend more than a few times. So if you have an intro class, it's just for people to attend once or twice. It's you're not giving everything away. They, you, you are encouraging them to then work with you further and then give them
0: that transformation that they're looking for. Right. And sometimes that, I mean, that transformation can come in so many different ways. That's not just one class or like even like weekly classes, a lot of teachers have like courses, memberships, other things that they're doing. Um, can you talk a little bit about your experience teaching free slash donation based classes? And I think you you do it every day, if I'm remembering correctly, yes. how, <laughs> yes. whatever, how long it took you to build up your community teaching every day. Yes. And you also have to keep in mind, I
1: did have a little bit of an audience before getting started because I owned a yoga studio. So what I did was switched everything from my yoga studio when the pandemic hit to online. And a lot of my local uh, yoga students didn't want to do online. So I had to search elsewhere for, Uh, for those students. And so I started putting all of our classes online. I was teaching a ton, even every uh, continuing to teach every morning and then evenings and all these classes just to replace what we had at the studio. And I had to ask myself, okay, if there was one class that I could teach and wasn't a burden to me and felt really good for me to teach, what would it be? And I decided on my morning class and I wanted to keep it free. And the big reason for that was because it was such a help for me to be like an anchor point in my day where at 6am, I did a 30 minute zoom class, not a workout, nothing with fitness related. It was, it's a very simple class, very gentle, very easy, but it got me, it got my day started. And by reminding everyone about affirmations and mantras and going through the motions, and it's pretty much the same class every day, um, with a different affirmation it just it helped me to stay consistent. And so the first 10 months or all of 2020 I wasn't sure if I could keep it up. It was it's a lot, 5 days a week 30 minutes. I also was a single mom to a 1-year-old and he would often wake up and it was it was a little frustrating to to try to maintain, but I told myself it's free if I cancel it, no big deal. Or I took I just completely took the pressure off of myself and said if I have to end early no big deal. I will do that. If I have to cancel, cause I don't feel well, I'll do that. And it took me some time to actually find that good rhythm and routine. So I didn't advertise this class. So I had one to three people every day, sometimes zero, but I would still get up and do it even with zero people because it was good for me. And so for the first 10 months, 10 months, I had one to three people. And then I finally started talking about it. I sent an email to my list at the time of probably about 6,000 people. So it's kind of a big amount, but I would get eight people then 6,000 on my email list. I got eight people to join me. And that was amazing. So January, 2021 months later, I had, um, yeah, I had eight to 16 and then I took a summer off because I, again, just wasn't sure. And I, I just, I knew how good it was for me. I continued again. And it wasn't until I started posting on Instagram reels, I actually have to just mention that it does work. I'll tell you an interesting side note on that though, but I started posting on Instagram reels with the intention of only talking about my mornings in class. That's it. Because it was free. I, at this point, changed it to donation based. So I thought, you know what, we'll do that. So people could pay me if they wanted to. And, and that was a great switch, not because I expected money, but because people were actually sending me physical checks in the mail and gift cards. And they're like, well, how do I pay you? So oh. I, set it, I set it up where people could pay me. And some people do, some people don't. And I, I don't even look at it. I don't mind if they pay me. Awesome. It's coffee money to me. And um, I have started posting to Instagram reels. And if you know anything about reels, you don't know which one's going to blow up, which one's going to go viral or viral for you or just get a ton of views. And I had a couple that got, I had one that had 2.2 million views. And that next Monday, I had 125 people registered for my morning class, (laughs) probably half showed up, but I want to tell you at the same time, I made $0 from that class because people for the first time will want to try it. They're not going to pay because they didn't know me. They saw me on Instagram and then it's my regulars that do end up wanting to, to pay or to to work with me further. But that, I mean, that was two and a half years, two years, two years after I started that class. But because I actually went into marketing it and talking about it and using the methods that work in marketing right now, like video and Instagram reels. And I'd even talk about it here and there on my YouTube channel. And and then people would find the link and sign up. So it took quite a bit of time. And a lot of people who sign up once, may not even attend or they sleep in. And I say, that's fine, but I have their email now. So now I can email them and remind them, hey, I've got this other thing. Or hey, I'm doing a series, join me. So it's just a lot of communication. And I know we kind of mentioned this too, is that consistency of showing up. And people know I'm going to show up because I have done that for two and a half years. They don't think, oh, I wonder if she's gonna cancel it. Or I wonder if Ashley's having a class because I've been doing it so long that it's now just become part of my routine and my regular attendees routine. And, um, and it's just, I love it so much, but it's a different purpose. It's not the thing that builds my business. It's probably more my passion project, but if I wanted to create a course or create a membership or do something beyond this free class,
0: I know that I could, the
1: options are endless.
0: It really is amazing when we dive into passion projects And we really go in with no expectations, like no expectations for making money, for building a business out of it. How amazing the response is. I've found that that's a similar, that's similar to my community on insight timer, um, the free meditation app. I go on there and I teach meditations like three times a week. And similar to you, like if I'm not feeling good, I'll cancel it. It's free. If I like want to switch it up and do something funky that day, like a different kind of meditation I've never taught before. I have the freedom to do that because I wouldn't do that if someone was paying like $20 to be there, I would give them exactly what they paid for. And it's amazing that people, the messages I get where people are like, can I work one-on-one with you? Do you have any other offers? Do you do private meditation? Do you provide for this? And I'm like, I actually don't do that right now, but now I know that I could, if I wanted to. And a couple of things I've been writing down because I feel like there's so many good lessons learned in everything that you just shared. The first one being that like, I just think consistency, it just, it's so much more sustainable than trying to chase that one viral thing or trying to like, like you mentioned, you sent an email out to 6,000 people and you got about eight, 10 people who showed up to your free class. It's like a true lesson in like Marketing isn't just a single email. It's not just a single post. It's not just like one thing. It's showing up for a community and showing that you can be counted on, that you're someone who's going to keep showing up. And people who come to your classes see that and feel that. And you're honestly, you're becoming like a safe space for them. Yes,
1: exactly. And this, when I mentioned Instagram reels too, I'd probably um, posted at least 60 to 70 reels before one of them hit 100,000. So that was, it's all consistency. Start with something. And instead of chasing after looking at someone's success and thinking, oh, they, they seem to just get that overnight. Probably not, <laughs> probably not at all. And I've been trying to build an online business since 2015, but nobody sees or have heard, has heard of or knows me from 2015 to 2020 until really the pandemic. So that was all building phase. And it took, I just knew in my, in my heart, I knew that I wanted to make online courses and it was something I had no idea how to do, but it's just planting that seed and thinking, I want to do this. I want to have this as a business. There is no other option. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I know the results I want. And then taking those little steps just to continue to move in that direction.
0: It just sounds like I love that reminder of building a solid foundation and how that does honestly, truly take time. And it, I mean, it's 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 definitely different for everyone, but I love that reminder that like, I mean, t- 2015, as much as it doesn't feel like that, how many years ago was that? Was that seven years seven, ago. Seven, seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's such a great reminder because I mean, even for me, that's very inspirational for me because I am about three years in, to being an online business owner and only two years of being full-time. And even like me sitting up here and I am the one who runs this podcast, I have to remind myself every day like to be patient and just to keep being consistent and just to keep showing up. And sometimes that can be really hard. So I guess my question to you would be, how do you find the motivation, the discipline, to stay consistent teaching your 6 a.m. classes, to like you said, like you had posted 60, 70 reels before one went viral. How do you like muster up the energy to keep showing up?
1: Oh, part of it is knowing like the season of life you're in for number one, um, because there will be times where you're going to be posting more on one platform or doing like more yoga teaching in person versus online and just seeing. You know how your life wraps around that for me right now, because I'm a mom and an expectant mom to number two. Yay! Um, I'm not in a place where I'm going to be jumping around teaching at studios, but I did that for many, many years. When I was in my 20s, I was teaching 15 to 20 classes a week and getting that experience. But things are always going to shift too, and allowing for that. Um, So staying motivated. It's knowing that you can't do it all. You can't do it. You can can do it all, but you can't do it all at once. That's the phrase Mm -hmm. I always come back to is you can do everything. You just can't do it all right now. So picking and choosing just a few things to focus on for a while. So when I was building my YouTube channel, I did that for about six to nine months And I didn't do anything on Instagram when I'm doing Instagram, I let go of, I didn't post a video on YouTube for three months because I was focusing on Instagram. So I just shifting my focus into different platforms, both for yoga teaching too. When I was teaching in person, I don't do as much online. And, and it's just knowing that you you have a finite amount of energy and where you can get more energy is well, number one, keeping up with your personal practice, Number one, that's one thing that seems to go for a lot of yoga teachers when you start getting busy is personal practice falls away. So keeping All up available. with a personal practice or even a fitness, something fitness oriented, um, something that it, you may not feel motivated, but you discipline yourself to do it and discipline creates the motivation to continue. So personal practice and also personal development. So continuing to be a student, to learn and grow. And, um, one of the biggest factors for me, and I consider this personal development over the past year and a half was talking to a therapist weekly. That's been one of the biggest, uh, things that changes that I've made in my life that has just helped my mindset, um, with everything else. So personal practice, personal development, and that might be books. It might be, learning from courses and not just yoga courses, but you know, marketing or business or personal, whatever you want to work on, um, but not doing it all at once. So choosing like one or two people to help you with the thing that maybe is the most struggle or the thing that's gonna help you um, move most forward. And of course I can say things like get enough sleep, drink your water, eat, eat good food. I think we all, all know those tips, but it, it is true. It's going back to the basics. And making sure that you're not hungry, you're not tired, and you're getting those basic needs met first. And to me, that's motivating because, uh, or it helps motivate me because when I'm on track in my life and I feel good, when I feel good, when I feel like I look good, then I can, I, I work harder.
0: I yeah can do more. I, I love what you said about, um, you can do all the things, but you can't do them all at once. Yes. That's just like, that just like rang in my whole body <laughs> because I I feel like it's really hard in the world that we live in where like our news feeds, I don't know about you. My news feed is full of like, try this strategy and be on TikTok and be on Pinterest and start a blog and teach on this app and do this. And where it's very noisy, like there's a yes. lot of noise yes. out there and it's really not easy to kind of, I always say to my clients, my tagline is like, put your blinders up and like, do what you're doing. If you're going to like start teaching on insight timer, like teach on insight timer, grow a following on there, post meditations weekly, like have a method for doing that and doing it well and doing it consistently with obviously a little bit of room for flexibility. Um, But put your blinders up because if you don't, you're going to find that you just like tried out pinterest and now you have a youtube channel and now you're on TikTok, and now you have a podcast and how are you going to do all of those things right Um, yes very true and also learning ins and outs of what you're actually doing like i'm sure youtube was a big learning curve for you oh yes and i took courses on it
1: yeah i anything i want to learn i'm always finding an expert to take a course take their course or join their membership or do something because there's only so much you can teach yourself on your own. And it takes so much longer. It takes so long to try to find all the answers yourself and puzzle piece them together. And you can only do that for so long before you're, you you have to work with someone or learn from someone, whether it's course one-on-one or something. And I say the same thing too, I, I to myself oftentimes, and some people I work with, I'm like, say, put your blinders up and you do the, the hand motion too, where you put the hands up by your face. Like if you have to do that when you're scrolling TikTok, like put your hands up by your face, put your blinders on,
0: get yeah. out of that app. Yeah, they just exactly. Um, I I always say that, you know, when you start to dive into more business stuff, like if, you, if you're really trying to take your yoga business, grow it, even take it full time, you have to cut down on the amount that you're consuming in order to use that time to create. Like, you ha- like we're used to being almost full-time consumers. I really think like my friends who don't run businesses, um, I think they are consuming content for such a large portion of the day. Once you start to dive into business stuff and you're becoming a creator, I hear a lot of, I don't know if you hear this from people, but I hear a lot of people say like, I don't have time to be posting on Facebook. I don't have time to be doing stuff. I'm like, well, if you take all the time that you're consuming and you even just cut it in half, and you use that time to create to just put something out into the world you'd be surprised how much time comes back to you but it, it does take a little bit of discipline and it's it's almost like it's almost revamping your routine
1: yeah and lot i things. like I, you the phrase i say or i just tell the people to is create more than you consume if you are struggling with time and time management Create more than you consume, but that's easier said than done because we are just so conditioned and used to scrolling or looking at things or consuming because that's what we've done for years. And even I find myself, you know, 30 minutes has gone by and I could have done a hundred other things, but here I am on Instagram or (laughs) wherever it is, social media and, you know, if you, if you're dedicated or disciplined enough, you could like set blockers or you know, delete the apps from your phone just to, or if you need to, like maybe for a short duration of time. Um, but yeah, definitely we're, we're in a consumer space and that's what the, the apps want us to do. They want us consuming, they want us buying. And so we have to be very conscious and disciplined to switch it around and, and create more instead.
0: Yeah. I, I absolutely agree. I feel like we have a lot of the same taglines <laughs> <I> always, <Probably. laughs> I always say, create more than you consume. I promise um, I'm not copying, <laughs> but they're, no, they're also
1: very general things. Like you, you do hear those, I think from other, um, marketing and business coaches and, uh, or similar things and, and yeah, because it, it works, they
0: work. It does. I think, I honestly think I heard that tagline, like Probably like six years ago when I started thinking about becoming a business owner and like, I heard it and I was like, that makes so much sense. Cause I easily consume six, seven hours of content a day. So what could I do with three or four hours of content? Yeah. And that kind of, that kind of brings me into one other topic that I didn't, we didn't talk about beforehand, but I think it would be a good topic to touch on. Sure. Um, so kind of goes along with consistency, but I heard you mention email, which my audience knows. I am such a huge advocate for, and you also do YouTube. And I think it brings up a really important topic about not just focusing on one thing at a time and really pouring energy into it, but also understanding the platforms that you are using. Um, Because I always talk to clients and I'm like, if you just put a bunch of effort into creating a 30 minute yoga class, you recorded it, you edited it, you did all these things and you're putting it on Facebook, it's going to be gone within 24 hours. Like it's not. It's going to be off of people's news feeds within 24 hours. Um, YouTube, it's going to live in the YouTube world. It's going to be searchable. People are going to be able to find it again. It's going to show up in search engines. Um, so understanding the platforms that you're on. And I think I do think that takes a little bit of time. Like it's a little bit of a learning curve when new teachers come out into the world and they're like, all right, there's all these platforms. Where should I start? Um, what?" made you what like encouraged you to land on youtube and why do you like it so much
1: well my background is actually in graphic design and marketing and communications so i have a degree in multimedia design and video editing has always appealed to me so i think just back in the day i think it was 2011 i graduated college I liked making videos. It just was fun. And so it wasn't anything I did for money. Um, Back in 2011 and 12, I started watching YouTube vloggers, like, when it was just starting and I thought, I'm going to be a YouTuber one day. I I feel like kind of like I was one of those eight-year-olds, but in, in like a 22-year-old body, like being like, I want to be an influencer. I want to be a YouTuber. <laughs> and I have a video, even I was 22 or something saying, I'm going to be a YouTuber. And at the time, my, like my ability to speak <laughs> was so bad. Just, I mumbled, I fumbled. I was so, so bad at all of it but I had to start somewhere and I think no one was really watching me. So I didn't care, but because I had that kind of experience with my college degree and um, multimedia and design, I just liked the visuals. I really liked visual and podcasting wasn't a thing back then. And I wasn't much of a talker. I liked the visuals. So YouTube was what I did for fun a long, long time ago. And it was then four years later, I would, I thought, oh, I, I could, I could add yoga to this. That was long before. I was a yoga teacher and nowadays there's, you know, YouTube podcasting, blogging, all of that is very evergreen It lives on. And I, I learned that by mistake. I I put a bunch of YouTube videos up and the video that still gets the most amount of views and stays in my top 10 is from 2017. So if I had posted that to Facebook, it would have been long, long gone, like never seen again, buried in the depths of Facebook or Instagram for that reason uh, for that same similar reasons it's just it's too fast and it is easier to grow on Facebook and Instagram sure but just like anything the faster you grow the faster it can go away so if you grow slower on a platform like YouTube which it's so much harder to get the same amount of subscribers as Instagram followers if you grow on something like YouTube it's not going to go away as fast as if you stopped posting to Instagram it's just what i've learned over time so my YouTube grew right now. I think like twenty three thousand, but that took ten years, probably more uh, three years, because that's when I was really focusing on it. Instagram, I grew to twenty seven thousand in six months, but now it's just plateaued because I don't post mm-hmm. as much anymore. But my my Instagram, my fa- what is YouTube, the one that's evergreen searchable, even if I don't post for a month or two, I'm still getting five, six, seven hundred new subscribers every month. So it It doesn't have the big roller coaster effect if you stop posting for a month or so, as long as you're long-term consistent. And because I knew I wanted to be a yoga teacher, an online yoga teacher for the long-term, like this is my career. Then I I chose YouTube for that reason, because it's so long-term where the quick wins can happen on Instagram or Facebook, but long-term
0: it's going to be YouTube. I think that's so interesting. And it is like a good reminder about Instagram and Facebook and really like any social media platform that not, I mean, I guess YouTube does like own your content, but Instagram and Facebook is a little bit different. I feel like they are much more like behavior driven. Like you said, you have to be very consistent on there and show up a lot. And so like during the months that you have been doing that, you have grown really fast. Um, But there's something that makes me feel weird about having a platform like own my time. Uh, and that's, I think why podcasting has been really great for me. I think similar to you, I like always knew that I wanted to be a podcast host. I was like, I love talking. I hate being on video and if I can like write out notes I, on, if I'm being honest, interviews are not normally my thing. That's why I don't have that many up because I need to have like notes, a script, something that I can look at. But once I do have that, um, I feel like I can explain things well. And I've always known that about myself and I feel like that's just kind of where I thrive. And it's, a, it's a kind of thing where like people find like one of my podcast episodes, it sounds like similar to one of your YouTube videos. It's still like, I get listens every single month on this episode. That's probably like 15 months old at this point. Like it's one of the first ones I posted, but it's because like it shows up in search engines. It shows up when people search things. It's like listen to this podcast episode, and it's like my podcast is branded very specifically for yoga teachers. So yoga teachers find it really easily. No one's like searching on Instagram like what podcast, what microphone should I use for my yoga classes, you know? But they're nope. maybe typing yeah. that into Google, and then they're finding your YouTube videos. That's exactly what happens. And I think even if
1: anyone who's listening knows who I am, you probably found me from a microphone video or know of me from that. So. That's very very common, and the reason I just kept talking about it is because I had one video do well, and I just decided to create a web of more videos. And not because I'm so passionate about microphones, but because I saw that need, and it was an audience that I knew I could I could talk to and relate to. And I get a lot of a lot of people just thanking me for not being just a a, a tech person talking in technical terms, but I talk like a regular old yoga teacher. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And that's what people need. Like they want relatable content. I was actually just talking about this today. I went to coffee with another yoga teacher in the local area and she works full time. She works at nine to five. And she was saying, I like your podcast because you're not only speaking to full-time yoga teachers, similar to you. Like you're not talking solely to yoga teachers who are also like have a tech background, no. Just, we're just talking to like normal yoga teachers and normal yoga teachers aren't sure what podcast mic or what Sorry, I keep saying podcast, what, um you know, what microphone to use and most are working another job or a part time job or have another source of income. And that's just more relatable, like how, you know, how to create content or market while also managing a household or a full time job. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons I've I'm really drawn to you because you are a very relatable human being. Like you, I can look at your numbers and be like, wow, she has all these followers, all these subscribers, but also like, I knew that I could just sit down and have like a normal conversation with you because that shows in your content.
1: Yeah. And I think even more so for me, it's after becoming a mom. I just, I feel so normal, which is great, but I am so limited with time, even well, when I, my son was little, I'm having another baby soon. And but I know what it takes and, and it doesn't take eight hours to build a business. You can, you can do it a lot less, but if you, as long as you really focus that time and use your focus time wisely, and that's a whole different topic, prioritizing and using focus hours for the work that you need to be doing. But that's something that I've also learned in the past few years that has just really helped that consistency and to grow with knowing that, that it's, that the numbers are going to grow. I, it's not something that's surprising to me. Like I put the work in, I know what's going to happen. I know eventually my, my YouTube channel will hit a hundred thousand just because I keep saying it. So, but I I think it will. And if it doesn't happen in a year, it might happen in a few years, but it's anything I set my mind to can and will happen as long as you give it that focused energy and you learn about it, educate yourself
0: on, on what it is you're trying to grow. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I think you're so inspiring to me and also I know to all my listeners. So I really do appreciate you being on here. Um, the last little topic I want to talk about if you do, if you have the time, yeah, of course, um, is I want to talk about, we've talked a lot about marketing content platforms, all these things. I think something that gets a little lost in the mix occasionally is the actual quality of your teaching and not just always looking for new students, but retaining the students that you do have. So those students that show up to your 6 a.m. classes or for the studio owners that are listening, like the students who who are coming as regular students over and over again. Do you have any advice for teachers to really make an amazing experience for their students that they keep coming back?
1: Yeah, and I think it's probably advice that, maybe isn't talked about as much. And for me, I, I got my start actually YouTube, on YouTube by talking about yoga sequencing and creative yoga sequencing and making your classes more creative and wonderful and ideas for yoga class planning and although i love talking about that topic i honestly think the best thing you can do is being is be consistent in your classes too meaning you're not changing things up all the time your your classes become a safe place where people know what to expect with a little bit of variation and my class even though it's pretty it's pretty much the same every single day and i get i have a, a, t- a bunch of regular students and it's because they know what to expect. They know that they could do this on their own if they wanted to. And it's it becomes more accountability and less about teach me something new and more about let's just dive a little deeper in what we already know. So I think being a great teacher is less about learning new things. Like I don't have a 500 hour certification. I don't have a yin certification or restorative or all of the certifications, which that we can fall into that trap of, getting certification happy and just getting educated. But instead I show up regularly. They know what to expect. I go a little bit deeper. You only have to know what one or two steps in front of someone else or something different in order to teach them. And I show up with a different affirmation each day, or we might do a series on the yamas and niyamas, but it's pretty much the same sequence. It's very regular. And the same thing happened in my studio classes where I taught the same class. For years, And not saying the same exact sequence, but there were always um, like there's some routine to it. So maybe your beginning and ending stays the same. So the main thing is showing up for your students and knowing that you're there for them and maybe you're there for yourself too. That's how it goes with my morning class. But my regulars, I I did just recently ask for feedback and mostly they just like the consistency of it. They like that they know what to expect and I give them just a little bit more or a little bit, something a tiny bit different. Like you might just change up your arm variations and your warrior poses and that can make all the difference. So instead of burning yourself out by thinking everything has to be new and creative, sticking with the same routine and seeing how that goes. And I promise you are probably going to get bored a lot faster than your students. I don't think I've ever had someone tell me, that they were bored because it's similar each day. Like I'm waiting for someone to tell me that instead they just keep showing up and saying, just teach us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that because it's so true. Like as a student, I love consistency. I know the teachers that I like, I show up for the teachers that I like. It's also like proven to be good, you know, soothing for the nervous system to know what to expect. That's why studios sometimes have guidelines of like, you have to start seated. You have to end in Savasana. You only own at the beginning or the end or something like, you know, that there's a reason for that. It's so that students come in and they're not getting dysregulated by something new being thrown at them because most likely that's happening in their life. 100% of the time outside of your class. Mm-hmm. I think that's such good advice. And especially for teachers who are maybe feeling uninspired or they're feeling a little burnt out. I think there is sometimes that inclination of like, I need to make, I need to switch up my classes. I need to make them more creative. I need to make them cooler. I think my, I need to step up my music, but maybe like getting back to the basics. That and- always
1: works. That has worked better for me is if I'm feeling like, I taught a few classes that were just off or it wasn't it wasn't rese- res- as re- received as well as I thought. The next class, I'll just go to the very basics of what I learned
0: in my 200 hour and
1: people love it. Yeah. Go back to basics.
0: <laughs> go back to basics. If I show up to the studio, I teach in person and online. When I show up to the studio and I'm having like an off day and there's nothing, there's nothing worse than having to get up in front of a group of students and be like, everyone get comfortable and relaxed when you're not feeling comfortable or relaxed. And I go back to like sun A, a bunch of sun Bs, a lot of like free flow time because I love that as a student and just like basic sequencing, like really, Mm -hmm. really basic sequencing, basic alignment. And it almost like grounds me to be able to do that instead of like some funky transition that I'm gonna do on one side and I'm gonna forget it on the other side. (laughs) And that's That's gonna feel worse.
1: So I, I I have a course on yoga sequencing, which is great. And it's just a mini course but i haven't expanded beyond that because honestly if you just do the basics you're good so take my mini course but i don't have a big in-depth yoga sequencing in, in um, intensive or anything like that because i i don't think it's needed
0: no i i absolutely agree and on that note i'm gonna drop all your links in the show notes so for my listeners <laughs> who want to connect with ashley i'm gonna drop your Instagram, your YouTube, and anything else that you want to give me, I'll put it in the show notes. So definitely go down there and check it out. Actually, thank you so much for being on. And I'm just so grateful that you took the time to be here and to talk to my audience. Honestly, could not be more grateful.
1: Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun.